Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, breathing life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, and today's guest is Carrie Ann Powell. Carrie Ann is a global business strategist, speaker, and champion of small and medium-sized businesses. Carrie Ann's varied experience of over 20 years as a Washington, D.C. attorney, lobbyist, and fundraiser positions her as an authority of what it takes to strategically succeed while confronting difficult obstacles. After raising $120 million to build the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial, she launched a strategic business and consulting firm, Trafalgar Strategies. She and her team advise business owners from various industries and countries on creating the strategies and systems and mindsets to thrive in business and in life. Carrie Ann, welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. First of all, tell us more about your business and the name. Where did that name come from? Where did the name come from? So I live in Madrid, Spain. It's been about five years now. It just so happens that my former iteration of my business, which was primarily consulting only with NGOs, large NGOs, and then as time moved on, I was getting clients that were moving into business or they had businesses and they were like, hey, we know of you from back in your days of raising money for the memorial. And so I started having a bit of a crisis of identity. Am I helping NGOs raise money? Am I working with for-profit organizations? It just so happened that I was visiting one of my cousins in London. I've got a number of cousins in the England area. Trafalgar Square is that big square in the middle of London. And that was a moment when I was at the same time trying to think about what the next step was for me in the business. My original business was named The Harvest Group. I was standing in the square. I know this sounds just so cheesy, but I was standing in the square. I was thinking a little bit about what the next step would be for me in the business. I had to ask myself, what do I love the most? What do I love now in this stage? And I'm like, I really love working with founders of small and medium-sized businesses and getting them to really thrive in a way that doesn't look like the regular thriving. They're not doing crazy things. Their hair isn't on fire all the time. They can actually walk away without feeling that the business is going to implode. They can trust their team. They have positive cash flow on a regular basis and they're constantly growing. It was that moment, that trip, to be honest, when I was in Trafalgar Square, that I came to this realization. That's how I wanted to direct the business. Now, of course, I still do have some clients from the nonprofit sector, but that's when I would have been on that. So standing there, I'm like, Trafalgar Square, it was the battle between Spain and 
England won. And of course, I was just feeling a bit of a win. I was like, I love this place. I love this time. I love this new iteration of me. And I'm going to name my company this place. And it just so happens that there's a really great street in my neighborhood in Madrid that's called Trafalgar. So it was the right time. So I named my company Trafalgar Strategies. And I often say running a business can sometimes feel like we're like managing this crazy, chaotic tornado. Basically, what I do and what we do with my team is we help founders and business owners really manage and tame that tornado so they can thrive, just not in business, but in life as well. That's why we named it that way. I've got a couple questions based on what you shared. What is an NGO? And a non-governmental organization. And that's what it was. That's yes. what I said. Yes. Yeah. Here in the States, we have nonprofits and those would be considered NGOs globally, depending on, because they don't always have the tax designation of a nonprofit, but it's the same thing. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the work that you do with small and medium-sized businesses. You talk a lot about their systems. and and strategies. The majority of my clients are service-based companies. They're anywhere from consulting companies or political fundraising companies, or got a couple that are in the food industry, coffee shops, those kinds of things, but primarily service-based. And I have in the past had a few manufacturing and those kinds of things, but primarily service-based. And of course, the U.S. economy is leaning towards that. Problems usually present themselves for that. Here are the four big ones. And I like to call these kind of symptoms of chaos. They're not actually the the problems. They're not actually the culprits of the chaos, but they're the symptoms. One of the big things is they're coming to me because the founder is saying, hey, we just don't have enough cash. Not that they don't have enough profit, but that whatever is going on in the business, there's not sufficient cash. It's cash is like blood in a business. And if you don't have enough cash flow, it's a problem. But it's the number one reasons why businesses fail. 80% of businesses that fail because of a cash problem. So that's the first big one that people come to me and say, hey, I've got this problem. I need to fix it. Second big problem that people will show up to me and they'll say, hey, I have been around for a bit, but I'm not really growing. I'm not scaling in the way that I would like. And the problem with scale and growth, because they're two different words, but even if you look at them as the same, which they're not, I like to think of businesses as like the same thing, anything in nature. If they're not growing, they're dying. There's no real stagnation when it comes to business. And so it doesn't mean that you have to be scaling at some quick pace, like some tech company in Silicon Valley, but there needs to be some amount of scale at the pace that works for you. And if you're not, that's usually when they usually come to me. The third problem that I see popping up are there's a problem with the team. Either they haven't built a strong enough team or the team they currently have, they don't feel comfortable delegating to. They're not performing as well. There's something going on. And then the fourth one really is what I talked about. They literally don't feel comfortable walking away from the business for any length of time, definitely not for a month holiday if they wanted to, without feeling like it's going to implode. So those are the four big kind of symptoms of chaos that folks will come to me and say, hey, I really do need help with that. And it just so happens, by the way, that those four reasons are the reasons why most businesses fail. They're not actually just want to's, they really are needs to. You have to fix those problems if they are showing up in your business, because that is a symptom of chaos going on underneath. Now, the question is, then what is the real problem? And I have found there's basically eight things that I have identified based on the work that I'm doing, that could be the reason why. And a lot of times people say, oh, I'm not scaling because I need to have a better sales process. You know, when you go on WebMD and you're like, oh, I've got a cough. Yeah. Right? Sometimes you try to self-diagnose. And sometimes truth be told, it might be because you don't have a strong sales process. At the same time, there are many other reasons why it could be that you're not growing. 
One, it could be that there's a product market fit problem. Maybe the product is good for a smaller segment of the population than you thought. Or maybe you didn't even test to see how much of a population would be able to support that product. So maybe you're never going to be able to scale because you've hit the window. And a lot of business owners don't really want to face those realities, but you need to be able to address them. So I do some help with them. Could this be part of the problem? Another problem could be, okay, yeah, it's good product market fit, but my goodness gracious, like the business model is in trouble. You may have such a thin profit margin that there's like no way, no matter how much you sell, it's not going to grow because it's so thin that the way that you're operating the business or the business model could be tweaked with millisecond of a thing and then you've gotten a better business model. So there could be an issue around a business model that maybe worked for you in the past, doesn't work for you anymore, or you never really thought about whether or not this is actually a strong business model. And now you're three, four, five, 10 years in and you're like, wait, what's going on? The point in giving those two examples is that there are many reasons why one might say, hey, I'm not scaling or hey, I don't have enough cash running through the business. It's not just because of the obvious reasons. And mm -hmm. so those eight, I like to call them eight culprits of chaos. When someone comes to me and say, this is the problem, I usually walk them through an assessment based on those eight things. Where do I think the problem is lying? And sometimes it simply is the first question I often ask clients is, so meaning the actual founder of the company or the owner, what exactly is your life plan? What do you want out of life? Because when you're talking about small and medium-sized companies, the owners are usually still working in the company, even though they might be working too much in the company, they should be working more on it. But most times they're still around. And so the question is, what is your life plan? What is your purpose? What do you want life to look like? So that you can then look at the business vision and make sure that it fits in to your life plan. Sometimes it doesn't fit. And that's why the problem is there because you need to do a fix. So there's many reasons, but Walking folks through step-by-step, step, let's check this, let's check that. Okay, this is good, but this one not good. And then we were able to find the real problem, then we can solve it. Because once you identify what the real problem is, then we can fix it. I have a couple of thoughts about that. One is, how many times have you identified that the founder, from a leadership perspective, is the culprit? Oh, my Lord, too many times. And that's a difficult thing for people to confront. So I often look at leadership and there's three components. There's inspired leadership and then there's rockstar team. And I like to think of them as basically two different sides of the same coin. So when I think about in leadership, there's three things around leadership that I really pay attention to and that I encourage my clients to pay attention to. One, it's leading oneself, leading one's team, and then leading one's organization. There, those are three separate types of leadership that fall under what I considered inspired leadership. And a part of it is really fundamentally second, okay, how are you leading yourself? Can you do what it is that you say that you're going to do, even within your own personal life? And then looking at how you're leading your team. People are like, oh, I can't even delegate to my team because blah, 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 blah. Okay, but how are you actually leading your team? Because if you hire, right, if you hire people that are self-motivated, 
If you hire people where you've developed an organization leading the organization that has a strong mission, a strong vision, a strong purpose, if you have systems in place, then truth be told, people rise to the occasion if you hire well. And this whole thing around, oh, people don't want to work and quiet quitting. Yes, maybe there are a few people out there that like that, but don't listen to the news. The reality is humans are still human. They want to be able to work with and for people and projects that are bigger than themselves. They want to know that what they are doing makes sense and it's going to help someone or something and they're part of something bigger. I remember hearing the story of this one guy, his whole thing was putting the little buttons on the helmets that people wear when they're riding bicycles. Yes. And for him, it's, I hope to save people's lives. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be some grandiose thing where we're going to Mars or something like that. It can be a simple business that you have, but if you create an environment within your company where people are respected, where they are paid well, where they are recognized for what they do, and you have processes and systems that work and make that operate, you really don't really have to manage people. You just need to manage the systems because if you have an organization that's built well and you're hiring well, people who are self-motivated, honestly, you can train people to do different things. Unless this is like rocket science and most things people can be trained to do, but you can't train character. And on the flip side, you can train leadership though. So if you're not a good leader, so I don't want anyone listening to this thinking I'm really bad at leadership. A lot of times people will recognize, yeah, I'm a pretty poor leader. Leadership is a skill learned just like anything else. So if you notice that sometimes it's best, I always recommend bring someone in, someone that you trust that is going to give you honest feedback. You don't want people who are yes people all around you because that's never good. That's a recipe for disaster. But people who you trust, who you can use to pitch and catch, and they can tell you, yeah, this area of your leadership really is poor. I was wondering about, number one, the leadership piece and also the hiring piece in terms of how much you're involved with helping the leader identify whether or not they have the right team members in the right positions to do the job that create the outcome that you're looking for and how much you're involved with that. Yeah, Jeanette, that's a really difficult time as well, particularly because if someone's been working for the company for 10 years and they have some loyalty, you don't want to rock the boat. But the reality is what I've noticed based on my experience is that a lot of small business owners, when they start first hiring, they're like, oh, cousin Susie knows social media, so we're going to bring her in. And then John's best friend next door, he's good at accounting, so we're going to hire him. And there's never really any structure as to the org chart looking to see what the business really needs and what type of person needs to be in that box on the org chart. So then when they realize, wait, things aren't happening very well, it's difficult to, because John's been there for a while and they just, it'd be difficult to tell, to say that John's not performing well. And trust me, if you are allowing an employee to not perform well and just let like ignoring it or letting it slide, you are creating toxicity in your company because other employees who are performing well or working hard and they see the other one over there getting slid off because they can still get come to work and still not perform well, you're creating a real problem in your business. So what I often do, and if you've read uh, The E-Myth by Michael yes. Gerber, I loved his recommendation and I often use this analogy with my clients. Okay, consider your current company, company 1.0. And then just, it is what it is. And just ignore it for a bit. The times that you're working on your business. Now, think about your company 2.0. 
and think about if you were to look at this business, what org chart would you really need to have that would make this business work? What are the roles that you would need to have to make this business be exceptional? And then what kinds of people would you need to be into those boxes and to fill those roles? Not just what skill sets, skill sets for sure, you know, but what type of person would that need to be? Then once you've built that out, and I always recommend that they actually type out the job description, type out the character that you need, all of that stuff. Now, once that's done, look at your current business. Now and see, what do we have going on? And then here's a difficult part, but sometimes it's just, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's all about moving one person to another role. Yes. Sometimes it's just putting some investment into training. Sometimes it's changing the role and putting it together or separating a role out. And sometimes, which is really awful, but it is necessary if you're going to be a strong leader. Sometimes you have to close some roles down and let people go. So the question on the table really becomes, is this business a business that you plan to leave behind as a legacy, a business that can exist without you, a business that when you're gone, there's still people that it employs and customers that it serves? Or is this your baby and you're going to use it to fill your ego and your pockets? Now, I'm not judging if this is just your lifestyle business and that's fine. But the people that come to me are clients who want to build a business for growth and want to have something that lasts. And if you're going to build something that lasts, then you have to stop pampering your little ego and just do what it is that you need to do because it's better for the business if you're able to say, okay, some people do need to walk away. And oftentimes it's not a lot of people. It's not everybody unless you have a toxic situation. And truth be told, if you have a toxic situation, people are going to leave anyway and they're not performing to their highest anyway. This is true. And I can imagine that you probably have a lot of crucial conversations with these founders and business owners. And I wanted to ask you about those kinds of conversations that you have with them and how that has been for you or for them in your walk as you work with a small and medium-sized business. Can you think of maybe one that you really had to think about your approach to because it was going to be a critical kind of exchange? Yes. Let's look at it this way. I used to be a bit timid to have the crucial conversations early, early days when I first started back in the business in 2014. And I noticed there was a problem. It was an NGO. The board of directors have brought me in, paid me tons of money, do a whole strategy thing with them. They put so much investment. The board um, of directors were very high level people and lots of time they invested in it. But I realized while I was doing this, that one of the main things was a staff problem. And early days, I was a bit less confident than I am now. And I just hinted that there was a staff problem. Um, one was the head of their fundraising department. And there was a challenge also with the executive director. And I just didn't say it. And what broke my heart was in the end, after all of the work that all these people had done and all the work that I had invested, when I'm working with a client, it's not just me just doing this because it's my business. I really do believe in what I'm doing. And literally they were beginning to do the implementation and then everything imploded. And then two people left and it caused a big rift because people were loyal to the executive director. Then some of those board members shifted off and then it just became a big mess. 
And all of that work, which was a beautiful vision for the company, just really went away. And I just thought, you know what, I'm never going to do that because to me, I'm not serving people by shutting up. So now that I do that, I remember having to have a very difficult conversation with one of my clients because she was allowing some poor behaviors from some folks and then not holding others accountable, her entire team did not trust her. The level of trust had been degraded to the point where they didn't trust her. And she did not know that. I wondered whether or not she had or not, right? So when I was beginning to have the conversation with her and bringing it up, I was just looking for some cues to say that she knew because even it's an easier conversation. She did not know. She felt so betrayed by the fact that they didn't trust her, even though eventually she was able to realize that her behaviors were causing this. But until then, you get defensive. You're like, and I've done all this for them and the whole thing. And sort of working through how are we going to regain trust? How are we going to rebuild trust? What is right now you are not going to be able to rebuild the trust with? And if you don't say goodbye, then no matter what you do now to fix it, it's never going to be because that person is jaded. Then you've got to also think about what level of responsibilities do the individuals have in the company. And you're looking at small businesses. Most of my clients usually have anywhere from 11 to 50 employees, right? So there are small companies who one person kind of might have a role and they may have a strong relationship with your customer base. And depending upon how the business is built, particularly if you're in a service industry, then you may have someone who, even though you may have an NDA clause or any of those things in your contracts with your client, with your employees, if they don't like the fact that you are now doing some things that are different and they're going to have to maybe change the behaviors or move out, then they may cause a problem with your clients. And so it's not an easy thing. I do not want anyone listening to think that I think it's easy to make these decisions, but it's the bandaid you've got to pull off and you've got to clean out that wound and you've got to fix it. If you know you haven't been a good leader, now is the best time to start and recognize that some of your behaviors may have long-term effects and some of them may not, but you have to address it. I certainly do appreciate knowing more about who you are and what you do. It's very apparent to me that you love what you do. And you are serving at a very, very high level. So I want our listeners and our viewers to get to know you. So with that said, how can folks reach out to you? Yeah, it's really great. I have so many wonderful things happening. I think the best way to connect with me, obviously, me personally, is to find me on LinkedIn. I'm there and I love human connection. So please, if you just love connecting with other humans, <laughs> reach out to me, send me a message. I'm really so approachable. So find me on LinkedIn. The website for the company is trafalgarstrategies.co. And you can find out more about what me and my team do and how we help businesses. And if for some reason you are a business owner and you're feeling like there is some symptoms of chaos going on in your business, and maybe I might've stepped on a toe or two, while I was describing some of those things, I do have a PDF um, that sort of outlines what I call the eight true culprits that are causing chaos in your business. And it outlines those things and it gives you some tips on how to begin to identify them and begin to move towards fixing them. So if you feel like that's you, check out nobusinesschaos.com 
and you can download it for free. It's nobusinesschaos.com. And it's basically something that I just downloaded all, all of my learnings and teachings into that document. Sometimes people feel a bit of a shame when they, oh, I've been doing this for a while. I should not have any chaos, but really truth, most business owners have something going on in their businesses and don't let social media fool you. Try to fix it now. <laughs> Carrie Ann, thank you so much for giving your time to the Next Chapter Experience and letting me in just a little glimpse of the world that you're in. So I appreciate your time. I really thank do. Thank you for having me. And this conversation has been so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations. So until then, keep that fire burning.